All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again, as always, in the Blockhouse with Kelly. How's it going today, Kelly? Um, here. How are you? My body is cold. My feet are cold. I, my soul. Um, I just want to be outside. Uh, it's been raining this entire weekend, and I'm ready to be out. And instead of being out, we're here to talk about <laughs> inside. a certain character, because we do a podcast about a certain character. Do you know who that character is, Kelly? Fictional legend Bob Dylan. Fictional legend, sword wielding, <laughs> action star of the 1980s Bob Dylan. He also had a couple of songs to his name. <laughs> sword wielding. And we are here today to talk about them. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the year BCE that saw the death of Gaius Marius, Roman general, reformer of the army's defender against Germanic tribes, uncle to Julius Caesar. And a significant reason for the transformation of the Roman Republic into the Roman Empire. And this week, we listen to Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You off of 1969's Nashville Sky. I didn't realize Gaius was a historical name. The man took it out the window. The man suitcase out there too. Throw my troubles out the door I don't need them anymore Cause tonight I'll be staying here with you All right, Kelly, that was Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You, 1969, Nashville Skyline. We listened to two versions of it before I even get into the context and stuff. How do you enjoy this, this song this week? This song was great. Um, I'm glad. This is great. The second, this, That's good. Wow. Yeah, I was. It's so catchy. It's like very um, by the numbers hit pop song. Hey, which is fine. You made a very solid song. I. This is the second song we've gotten off of Nashville Skyline, right? Because he did North Country for North Country for Old Men. <laughs> uh, yes, Girl from the North Country. Girl from the North Country ended up on Nashville Skyline too. Right? Ended up, but yeah, obviously yeah. not part of. Um, so it was really like trepidatious about this album yeah you turned down country pie at the beginning of the season because you're like i don't want to be a part right of well because I, th- I just assumed it was going to sound a certain way yeah and so far i've been delighted i mean his voice if i pretend it's not bob dylan and if i had ever heard this song i would never in a million years guess this was bob dylan right um but taking that like that context out of it of it being him i think it's great and um the things the like little codes that make things make a song country like yeah. the slide guitar and stuff don't read that way at all which is interesting it reads more like a sci-fi psychedelic sound than it mm. does a hard country song it bends the sound yeah very interesting way that doesn't make it just sound like a country song so well that's glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it i thought i thought you would like the i mean because we we've, we've talked about rolling thunder mm-hmm. and that's just like a straight up like rock, rock your face off type oh song. it's great yeah but this one I'm always curious. I'm I'm interested to keep going on this because, you know, I think it's a weak album in general. It's a minor record, but some of those songs are definitely gems. So it'll be cool to go there. Uh, this song, however, was not really, it wasn't written like a gem. It wasn't part of Nashville Skyline's like original core makeup. This was a song that was written on a Ramada Inn stationery as he was recording the album. 
Hmm. And there's been uh, interesting takes online about how the musicality is almost makes up for kind of the simpleness of the song. There are offbeat key changes and the way the song is sung. Uh, a lot of people talk about the complexity, if you will, of the Nashville skyline town. I mean, you allude to it too. You're, you're thinking it's going to be one thing, but there's something maybe you can't put your finger on it. That's really like keeping you here. And people speculate that because of this song is a lot like a couple of the other songs he had done, specifically the song, I'll be your baby. I'll be your baby tonight off of uh, John Wesley Harding, which mm. we listened to the very last song um, because it's similar to that. It's almost, it definitely is a retread of it, but because of the musicalness, it, it takes it to different places. The song was recorded on February 17th, 1969 in 11 takes. Nashville Skyline is the fifth of those takes. I don't think I've ever heard all the others. So the song itself was released as a single, the third single off Nashville Skyline after I threw it all away and Lay Lady Lay. And it reached number 50 on the Billboard Hot 100 and top 20 in a bunch of other countries. He's played the song 144 times live. The first time in Waltham, Massachusetts, November 22nd, 1975 which, again, is six years after he recorded it. And the last time he played it was August 29th, 2006, the same day that Bob Dylan released Modern Times, the record. Is there a coincidence? Is there a conspiracy? I don't know. <laughs> so, Kelly, this song, as we kind of alluded to, is really great and really a fun song to listen to for the week. What is this song about, and what is he trying to say? Well, the two versions are really different in that regard. I think that they're practically yeah. two different songs, which is a pretty incredible. Like, two different songs. There are a lot of lyrical changes. So if we're going off of the Nashville Skyline being the original, the OG version, right. um, the there there are definite lyrical changes in Rolling Thunder, but even just the way it's delivered, I think like the Nashville Skyline versions are pretty straightforward. I love you, and I was going to go do this thing, but I don't need to because I'm just going to stay here with you instead because you're worth it, girl. <laughs> You're better than trains. <laughs> yeah. Anyone can get on that train. Give yeah. me a ticket to that guy. I don't need my suitcase anymore. Yeah. Because poor boy. Here. Yeah. Let him go off and do stuff. Yeah. I mean, he says tonight over and over again, but he means forever. He means forever. <laughs> the tonight of forever. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Rolling Thunder is a different animal altogether. Yeah. And that is definitely the story of someone who is in a tumultuous, tenuous relationship that is like. You don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, knowing now, like. F this guy. <laughs> it's so good that he's just singing this song. You know, like, I don't even want to be here. F you. But I guess I'm staying here tonight. But don't count on me to be here in the morning because I hate you. <laughs> yeah, it's almost impossible to talk about this song as not two different songs mm -hmm. under the same banner, the same song, which, again, fucking crazy that Bob can pull this kind of stuff out. Because, I mean, the first song is like reassurance. It's like, what a lovely country pop song mm -hmm. of like somebody deciding I'm done with the, le you know, we've heard so many leaving songs from Bob. He's saying, I don't want to leave anymore. I want to be with you. It's adorable. I yeah. mean, and all the musical notes, I think, hint towards that feeling. And because we know bits of Bob Dylan's biography, even just from this, um, from this podcast, he was happy then. I mean, this was a different uh, person making these songs. 
and the person in 1975 making the rewriting essentially tonight I'll be saying here with you is a different person. So it's really hard to take it as one song and, and definitively talk about it. So we're going to talk about it as two different songs. Okay. Good. Um, there's no other way. So for me, the reassurance part of, of Nashville skyline, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. It really, it does the thing that our namesake song does sign on the window, which is like, it evokes something inside of you that isn't real and has never been real. Uh, no matter how much you want to believe in it. And maybe Bob knew that too, you know, all of this just going off and fishing every day and, Having, you know, having no strife in your life of any kind is something that we all aspire to, but is not real. So like this song is a fiction in and of itself, but I think it's a fiction most of us want. It's a reassuring fiction. Well, it's also broad broad enough that people can access it really easily. Absolutely. But this song, I didn't really want to end. It does. It has a little extended intro, which is really nice. And it goes places where you don't expect it. I mean, this is a fantastic, fantastic song. I'm I'm excited to get the album because I'm curious about the personnel on it and how it was recorded. And I think that there's something to uh, what it was recorded in Nashville, right? So, okay. So I would imagine the people around him are Nashville hit makers. And I think they have a way of writing songs that it's like, what if we like Bob Dylan was incidental almost like they, I think maybe the sound weren't around and not that he wasn't having input and not that this isn't his music, but I think that's definitely coloring this whole thing is I mean, you don't know about idea. hargis pig robinson i mean we kind of <laughs> talked a little bit about i mean some of these people have shown up before but yeah, yeah. I mean, hargis pig robinson is on piano there bob wilson also on piano I, I don't know exactly who's playing on what but you got those two charlie daniels i mean charlie daniels is a i mean he's kind of a nut now like right wing devil went down to georgia charlie daniels yes, Char- absolutely charlie daniels is on uh is playing guitar damn um charlie mccoy who's played with Bob Dylan before is on bass. Norman Blake is on guitar as well. Peter Drake is on steel guitar. Kenneth, Kenneth Buttry is on drums and he's been, you know, in a lot of Bob Dylan stuff going back to blonde on blonde and stuff. So, yeah, I think you're right about the way the music's like, that is what makes it not just a straightforward pop song. I think is those, those bends and the slide guitar into those minor keys where it's like, you're supposed to feel something a little different mm-hmm. versus pop songs, which are always just like, you know, kind of a steady positive. Major, major, major. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that makes it a lot more interesting and a, yeah. a lot cooler of a song. Definitely. So it's impressive. So what if I told you for the Rolling Thunder that the cheering was all fake? You can't never played it live like this is just a random song huh. uh, that you know it's a different song too i'm sure people who are bob dylan fans caught on really quickly because it's kind of oh yeah i guess lyrically i mean it musically it, it's very very similar right different but similar but faster still i mean yeah. you wouldn't know it probably right off the clip you know like oh shit this is but with the lyric changes you're like is this a different song right and yeah. so there's a there's like yeah they do like just kind of like a plate cheering which is probably real like oh tonight i'll be staying here with you that's a song from six years ago clap 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 but then when like the rolling thunder it's like oh, oh my god of course you have to i mean what a great great line great line as people do when they want to throw in like yeah. portland right exactly you're the best <laughs> yeah. uh this is like the first, this is like the first i can think of when i saw manson in 2002 or three he uh he in one of his songs the dope show if uh-huh, you're familiar he says drugs they say are made in california and instead he said made right here in denver and i was like he gets us <laughs> he's one of us <laughs> he definitely doesn't say that in other places <laughs> he's revised his lyrics it's true that's amazing i mean it's like a trick as old as time oh really. yeah for sure um but 
really affecting and like the cheering really gets you more hyped oh for sure so i think it's hilarious that it's not even real that's which incredible is, uh, so we've talked about the rolling thunder a bunch we in fact covered the bootleg series volume five episode 26 so go back and listen to that for the whole rundown of everybody that's doing all the music and stuff but i do want to talk about the differences in the lyrics sure. before we get on up out of here they are real different and while one begins with trains i don't there's nary a train in the other. We get a whistle blowing. A lonesome whistle. A lonesome whistle. Which is a change too. This is really interesting because even off right off the bat, you know, throw my ticket in the wind, throw my suitcase out there too. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to stay with you. The other one is like explicitly throw my ticket in the wind, throw my mattress out there too. Mm-hmm. It's making explicit like the sexualness of it. Well, that and like we're fucking breaking up. Get your shit out of here. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, I actually saw it the other way. I saw it as like, as a basically a wink that it's like Bob Dylan fucks because he's talking about mattressing, but I just want to fuck you. Like throw my mattress out there because I don't need to sleep with other people. I just want to sleep with you. Oh, okay. That's what I see. So like, yeah, well, see that that's the Mm -hmm. ambiguity right there, but it's kind of how, if we're keeping it to the same sort of tenor as the other one, then like throwing the suitcase and the mattress are the same thing. Like throw my belongings out the door because I want your belongings. I want to be with you. Gotcha. Uh, so I found that really interesting that he's kind of being explicit, especially about the sex aspect of it, because I think that's the hidden part of the other one, because we've talked about leaving songs. We've talked about him going from place to place and even the tonightness of it, like I'll be your baby tonight or even tonight I'll be staying here with you. The tonight is is the important part. Like I want to fuck tonight, <laughs> but maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. Sure. But that's not what he meant. And I mean, if this song was definitely written about Sarah in theory, although you'll say otherwise. It's we're like we're we're made to believe that. And if that's the case, then I think that the other song, Rolling Thunder version, is also about Sarah as well. So it's interesting. I think we read this completely different. Like okay. I've, I read this as really a vindictive breakup. Or I could have been someplace new. Yeah. Like you're holding me back uh, kind of thing. Mm. And I think you took it in the way that maybe it was intended because okay. I think you've expressed before that he was trying to get her back or like trying to pretend that he Something. still cared like yeah. about Sarah. Um, but in my head, this is like, no, we're done because even the scattered things, so you can read this as, uh, you you saved me. Like I was going to go do something destructive or like I have this crazy life, but you're mm. my safe Harbor, which is a thing that he fucking loves to say about women. So well, it's probably more accurate. Just wrote Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair, um, babe. But I'm reading it as like, you're holding me back. You're the problem totally. and I need to get the fuck out of here. And God damn it, I'm staying here with you again instead of what I should be doing, Ooh. which is leaving. Damn, I didn't read that yeah. part. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. While we're just, just briefly. So this song goes like super Salvo A. Brown, deep purple, crazy psychedelic, especially when we get into the like crescendo at the bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love it. I love That's every great. second. And Scarlet just like capping off everything with this giant violin. Mm-hmm. Everything's so careening and cool. And like, what a, what a cool live show that must, must have been because like, the energy feels so huge. So yeah, the the next part, I guess, which is like the pre-chorus 
if you will. the bridge, is there any wonder? Yeah. The love that a stranger might receive. You cast your spell and I went under. I find it so difficult to leave. That to me is Sarah. Yeah. Like I, again, with the spells and all that kind of shit, like he loves that stuff too. But like, that's a very nice, complacent, like I I wanted to do it. I wanted to fall under your spell. I love you and I want this to happen. And then we flip to the other. Is it any wonder the changes we put on each other's heads? You come down on me like rolling thunder. I left my dreams on the riverbed. That's some right. dark shit. And that, I love that line. I love these two lines together so much. Like, this is what we talk, when we talk about Game of Thrones, where they can't fucking do anything right. This is some <laughs> callback shit. This is some, like, deep lore shit. This is some, if you know what the first song is, you're going to get way more out of the second song type of shit. Because that, if I'm Sarah... I would be like, what the fuck? What the (laughs) fuck? Because you're talking about casting the spell and I went under as you came down on me like rolling thunder. I mean, it's almost like you didn't have a choice. Right. And that's some fucking bullshit. Which is why I read it, I think, as like a vindictive breakup song versus um, like uh, somebody who wanted to be complicit in this whole thing. Because certainly the Nashville Skyline version is like a tender, like, oh, uh, you kind of, you drew me in and I was totally into it. And like you were... uh, not like a vice for me, but you're, you're a welcome reprieve from my life. Right. And like, I really appreciate the time I spent something with you. about you where this is like, you were manipulating me. You were taking me away from what I need to be doing. You were like, and that line is, I couldn't hear if you said chains or changes. And I thought if it's chains we put on each other, I was like, yeah, this is clearly like, you're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you are a toxic person for me. Well, and I think this song post a song like idiot wind, which we have not listened to. I think makes the point even more explicit. Idiot Wind is all about the two of their relationships and a line like the changes we put on each other's heads. There is an acknowledgement that it's both of them, but then in the next beat, it's like you, 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 mm-hmm. you. Uh, so I, I, again, I just, I love the juxtaposition between the two, but you're totally right. And I, the moment that I sort of like looked at the two uh, juxtaposed, I've been singing two, both of these versions of the song for years, and I've never thought of putting them together. Mm. To me, they've just always been the same Except, song, yeah. but they're not. Uh, so it was really cool to sit down and actually just like break it apart on my on my computer here and just see the two next to one another because, damn, I mean, that's, that's great stuff. I mean, not great for them. Uh, wow, on the writing level. That's quite a reversal. I just wrote the lyrics for the Rolling Thunder one over, like, because I have my little book. I printed this, the Nashville Skyline lyrics. And as I was, it took me a second to realize, it's probably the second or third, because I'm usually just listening to these songs passively throughout the week. playlist. Yeah. Um, and so it was like the second or third time I was like, these are totally different words. I was like, oh shit. So I started writing the words inside the lyrics of yeah. the, the Nashville Skyline version. Like, oh yeah, this is a different song. <laughs> It's a 100% different song. Yeah. And I, and I think to your point here, Clinton Halen would say the same sort of thing. So he notes in this song, quote, new words are not. It's a message of reassurance. The, its message of reassurance remained addressed to the same concerned last for whom the Rolling Thunder tour was further evidence that she had lost her man to the lure of the world, wedding songs and vows notwithstanding. One doubts it was a coincidence that the revamped song was introduced after Sarah elected to tag along. But whereas Dylan undoubtedly meant every word in February 1969, the man singing in 1975 of an enduring devotion comes across as someone trying to convince himself almost as much as his suspicious spouse. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I'm like halfway here for it at this point. Like I, I, cause I just think it takes this minor fucking song and it really giganticizes it. Is that no. a word? Cause that's, I just made it up. That's how it feels. And it's, uh, and it just, I think it heightens everything. And I, this song is like 
a low-key favorite of mine. I think it's a great monument to relationships and how people can change. The same person, not them changing, but the way that you feel about them and your relationships over time. Because, like, what a great little time capsule of here's how I felt about this same person in Nashville Skyline. And now we're six years later. And this is a totally different twisted fucking picture. Absolutely. That's great. Well, cool. We're going to have lots of those twisted fucking (laughs) pictures going forward. And I I think that that's kind of, uh, you know, beyond changing uh, this poor boy who gets cut out of the song for the you know, the semis rolling through sure. and the driver on the road carrying my load stuff. It's pretty much the same. The ending mm-hmm. of the song kind of mirrors the other one where we go back to the first verse and sort of sing it over and all of well, that. Well, I mean, it's definitely the same color of like in the first one, it's give that guy my ticket because I don't need it because I'm staying here with you because I love you. Right. And then we go into like, oh. get somebody to take this garbage away from me because I can't deal with your shit anymore. I need someone else to bear <laughs> the burden. Woo. <laughs> 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 Very salty. Salty Bob Dylan. Damn. I yeah, was not seeing it that way. I was just like, this is nice. This is the same. This is the same. Just a just little. Just more passionate. Just a little different and talking about trucks instead of trains. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, no. So clearly, as we've said, this song is a, a really interesting juxtaposition between the two. But it's hard because if we're saying, do we recommend this song? I think we would say yes yeah, still. If the song is Nashville Skyline or, but I think it's like a detriment not to have both of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Whereas like uh, Girl from the North Country, ah, don't listen to Nashville okay. Skyline. You only need the OG version. But this one, I don't, I don't think it's enough. I just don't think it's enough. And it makes sense. Otherwise, it's, it's just kind of that universal feeling of reassurance. If we listen to Nashville and maybe a bit of vindictiveness and, you know, that roiling sense of like a, a relationship gone wrong in the other one. So it's kind of pick and choose. Which one do you want? Yeah. Well, the if we're talking about a, does this song work today, I mean, wh- what is it, Whitney that's on our playlist? Yeah, yeah. Did a cover of it, and I mean, it sounds just like every other generic indie pop thing. Yeah. So I guess it does work in a musical sense. Like, there was not a whole lot of translation done for that Whitney version, and it does sound more modern, I think, maybe just because of the mixing technology and the instruments that we're using. And, yeah. Uh, but I, I, th- I don't know. It's a solid pop song. I think those are going to translate well if you're not using a bunch of synth- like excluding the '80s. I think that you're you're probably going to be fine translating a pop song from the '60s to now. If only we could exclude the '80s. <laughs> I mean, no. In fact, our playlist. Why don't we just talk about it now? It's full of songs from the '80s. We should talk about it now. Our playlist is great this week. I have to say, you're goddamn right. It was. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the playlist. Postal Service. TV on the radio for like the fourth week in a row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> La Dispute, who we just saw, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Bonobo, Nirvana, Open Mike Eagle, Spiritualized, and Queen. First time since episode five. Damn. Welcome to the playlist, Red Man. Hell yeah. That was great. That was great. Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, God. I mean, you cannot yes. forget. The Cars, Depeche Mode, Sonny Levine, Patty Waters, who we haven't oh, talked right, about here, yeah. but like. You want to see the scariest uh, album cover of all time? Patty Water Sings. Look One of it up. the scariest albums of all time, honestly. Whoa, I, horrifying. Uh, Heavens to Betsy and Fake Problems. Not on our, our playlist yeah. before. And unfortunately, one song didn't make the cut, and that's the band's Christmas Must Be Tonight, which feels wrong because, you know, it says tonight in the title, but whatever. I'm so glad I didn't make it. Um, and, and if you want to listen to our playlist, you can. You do definitely you, can. Do you know where you can find it? I do. Can you tell the nice people? I guess, I guess. <laughs> if you want to follow us in real time, it's going to be see that my playlist is kept clean. Just look it up. Spotify. Spotify. That's where you can find it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to listen to this playlist. But you're not currently time, listening to it. Yeah. Right. 
You can just search the song title. No, come just up. put the word SOTW in there, mm. and we'll be there. We'll be one of the first ones. You'll yeah. see a little photo of Bob Dylan. Click on that, no, you're in the and right you're going to be happy. You can also find it at our website, SOTWpod.com. Dang. And if you search, uh, tonight I'll be staying here with you. You'll, you'll find that. You'll find uh, our entire show notes, little essays that we do, and our Spotify playlists and our recommendations and everything. It's just a tool for you to enjoy this podcast more. That's so great. But we don't just do podcasting. I mean, it feels like we do. It feels like we do. <laughs> but we don't. We have lives. And we live inside of them. <laughs> Kelly, what are you looking to recommend to the people this week? Team Drash. Do you know about Team Drash? I don't. Helmed by Donna Drash? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so they're queer core like icons. They're, you know, Pacific Northwest, right girl queer scene. They uh, all lesbian group in the fucking 90s. They do punk rock and they sing about their girlfriends and it's incredible because that never fucking happens yeah. i mean like i was so starved and unoblivious unfortunately i'm a bad guy sometimes uh that the sleater kidneys one more hour i was like this is the best song that's ever existed because it's a woman talking about a woman and who does that right like so but yeah donna drash uh was a huge fixture out here also from olympia because everybody's from fucking olympia yeah. but she uh started chainsaw records here uh also candy ass records that produced okay. um team brushes both of their albums uh personal best in 1995 and captain my captain in 1996 and then they broke up a couple of years after that and then kind of played shows here and there like how center kitty would even though they're broken up sometimes just show up places and play yeah. a, a set or play a song um so they've been doing that throughout this area for a while um but they're reformed and they're re-releasing jealous butcher bought the rights to their music so they re-release them and bought all their all both of their albums oh, right. okay. um so go to the show yeah, well, they're sold out. They played the 14th. Don't go. You already out. have tickets, so it's good. The you're 15th fine. sold out. I mean, I had to buy mine secondhand, All so right. I paid three times the price. But it was worth it. And it's over Pride Weekend. It's just like this confluence of, I am destined to go to this thing. So I, you got to pay the three. Also, I went down this weird little rabbit hole of nostalgia uh, with a, a band called Mira from Tallahassee. Not the singer-songwriter Mira with an H, Mira, M-I-R-A. Uh, they're a little goth, dark wave, dream pop band. Not really dark wave, dream pop, I guess. Uh, from Tallahassee that had three albums in the early 2000s off of a record label called Project Records. Now, this is why it was a nostalgia thing. You're just going to have to follow me. So oh, 2002, yeah. the label Project, who is a goth, dark wave, like dark music you know dreamy whatever okay. music label that was started by a guy named sam rosenthal who was from black tape for a blue girl which is like one of the biggest goth bands ever not very good but he fucking lives here because the label is based here although it started in florida i'm like where are all these fucking goth kids hanging out in florida Gotta when i was in florida by the way and i'm like it's too fucking hot it is too hot to be wearing all that black i digress anyway so in 2002 somehow kendra and i ended up with the sampler because they come up with constant samplers like little label yeah, samplers yeah, sure, or so sure. all the bands on the label have one song on the thing right project 
colon gothic was the sampler in 2002 and i'm like that's fucking redundant as shit <laughs> but that's fine like we really didn't need to put that on there because all the other ones are called like uh project cats and like the song about cats and in fact the song mira that submitted for it um was about a cat which is hilarious it sounds like a love song but it's about a cat and i that's my shit anyway mira <laughs> and by extension project records i guess um was it was a great little thing oh also sam rosenthal of Project Records and Black Tape <laughs> Blue Girl does a thing in Portland at the Clinton Theater every couple of months called Movies in the Dark that I definitely want to go see it June 21st so a movie called Last Left Lovers Left Alive Only Lovers Left Alive okay. and it's got Tilda Swinton it looks weird as fuck Whoa. so I think anyway yeah Mira it's just very like dreamy like <laughs> <laughs> more like a like techno-y yeah, kind of yeah. thing but this is yeah no dream pop for sure um and the song is called cayman by the way the one that was on that project sampler you should check out also voltaire's oh. it's so easy when you're evil or when you're evil which is the best disney villain song of all time that is not actually a disney villain song mm. and you should listen to it voltaire when you're evil also mira <laughs> there you, you go have lots of homework <laughs> Wow. But mostly Team Drash. If you do nothing else, go listen to Team Drash. That's fair. Well, I'm looking forward to know how the show was. Yes. I actually ge- genuinely am. I will enlighten uh, you. We went to a show as well. Uh, we did. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. By a band called Law Dispute. They put on a show. They were really good. And one of my new fave bands, Slow Mass, Slow opened Mass. for them. I bought all their shit. <laughs> we, like everyone else, showed up. About 20 minutes after the show started because we were all watching Game of Thrones. Yep. So we all showed up conveniently at the same time and had this huge line that we had to wait through. Yes. Uh, you were missing out on some slow, slow mass. Yep. Only caught like two and a half of their songs, but. But they were long songs. So <laughs> you got plenty of time with slow mass. Uh, yeah. Slow mass was great. Gouge Away was, was incredible too. Mm-hmm. And La Dispute just doesn't, they don't quit. Um, they really put on a, a really great show. The crowd was really great. I thought, um, except for the guy next to us. Oh man, what a mess! Oh, I forgot his name. <laughs> I know it's well, Melissa, right? Is the girl from Michelle? Maybe. Melissa? Oh, it was really rough. This guy, he uttered the words with an earshot of me because he's standing basically with his head on my shoulder, saying, "If it wasn't for this band, I would have killed myself. I had a nine millimeter in my mouth." And when I heard insert name of song, I Last my life changed. And I put down the gun. And I was like, "Wow, Melissa, you need to leave. Abandon ship." You see this tattoo? You see. <laughs> this tattoo and then his girl the girl like i think we feel the most bad for the girl because she clearly is out of her depth she doesn't know what where she is and what's going on Mm -hmm. and she's basically just standing there and he they don't they do not sever paths the entire night they are connected oh yeah one point didn't she say something like get off my boobs like or you're squeezing my boobs too hard yes well then earlier he said I, I want to let go, but I just love holding them titties or something oh, like no, that. Oh, no, that's what it was. That's oh, what it was. No. And then they swapped positions where she was behind him, holding him, as he pushed people out of the pit. But he didn't go in himself, despite all this talk about the nine in his and mouth. despite him looking you in the eyes and saying, are you fucking ready, bro? So many times. This guy saved my life. <laughs> and you're like, I love Jordan. I love Jordan, and I love the band. And I think, like, in terms of, like, lyrics and emotion and heart and and the music itself 
But I wasn't ready for that energy. I was not anticipating that guy being there. And it wasn't even at the end, man. That's something you share after we've all had a communal experience. And you're like, hey, listen, I also had a nine to my mouth. No, you leave out that part. You say this band saved my life. And everyone can understand that sentiment. You don't say literally I had a gun in my mouth. (laughs) Jesus, dude. Because I heard the chords to the last continent. And then it was it happened to be a 13 minute long song that I was like, well, I need to see how this ends. And then I thought. (laughs) Better not kill myself. Yeah, today. if that was a uh, a punk banger, if you know a minute and a half. Minutes, oh like, well, I guess. I guess where is the repeat? I can't. Gun's still here. Where is it? <laughs> Gun's still here. <laughs> uh, so, but besides that guy who kind of was like in our way, I feel like he was just kind of always there. Yeah, uh, I was great. They didn't play King Park. They didn't play such small hands. I think one person mm. only yelled such small hands, but I thought it was a joke because they they had like a moment of like a lull, like right at the end when he, after he was doing the encore. Cause oh right, this is one of those shows that we don't do an encore because we got to get out. Just because there's a curfew. There's a curfew, and yeah. I like it because it's like fuck it, we're not going to shortchange we'll you. Play more songs, but, yeah. yeah. So I think in that lull, somebody shouted just such small hands, and they didn't play King Park, which I thought was incredible. So I love the band. Uh, moving along and yeah all of it was great it was a great show it's oh, weird yeah. to do it on a sunday i've learned i'm not into sunday shows yeah maybe that's just because of Game of Thrones. speaking of we'd be remiss if we don't spend a minute talking about Thrones, we spent hours, seven hours, more than seven hours, two years ago, talking about season seven. Looking back on that now, it feels like a monument to better times, even though we hated it at the mm-hmm. time. Like it was rough to go through. We rewatched the season before, and truth be told, I felt numb. I felt nothing. Oh, I've gone into full blown apathy. Like I, I can't dis- care anymore. Disappointed. Yeah. yeah. In the end, with how it all turned out. Yeah. Angry. I woke up. Two separate mornings, pissed off about something that happened in the season, not even necessarily specifically the finale. And just like, why am I? What? Yeah. I don't. It's over. Like, they really killed it. They really, uh, in the most negative sense, they like really just dro- drove it straight into the fucking ground. We were going to have Kendra come over. And oh, yeah. I was we're like, the whole thing. And... Yeah. Before the season started, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you should have come over for the net finale. And this will we'll... be good enough. Yeah. And by the time we got there, you know, episode five, we were like, actually, I don't care what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like you could come over or not. Well, and we went to a lot of dispute on the the last of the Starks, the fourth episode after the battle, and which was a huge downer episode. And it's just like, yeah, I remember us like getting in the car. We're just like, well, that just happened. They didn't need to make it seven episodes, and they chose and six to. episodes. And they chose to. They could have had a writers' room, like a normal fucking TV show. Yep. And I think all of these things, and really the thing I hate the most is like taking a character like Tyrion and making him awful. Because you needed it to service your story, and then at the end being like, just forget about him it. so high. Forget up. about yeah. it. Oh, I'm. I can't. We can't talk about this a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we would have to talk about it a lot of it if we're going to talk about it. And we've just been. That's the other point. It were exhaustion, uh, exhaustion, like discussion fatigue. Because yeah. and we all are feeling generally the same way, which is nice. So the commiseration aspect's kind of good. But like, we all know it was bad. Yeah, we all know it was bad. And it's like if it weren't Game of Thrones. We just wouldn't talk about it. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm, I've reached that point where it's like, this is just a bad TV show I watched. And it sucks. It went out like that. Yeah. And that's, I, that's what people, that's where the ire comes from. And it's like, you, you took it from Game of Thrones to a show that wasn't very good that nobody wants to talk about. Right. I mean, the last, I mean, we thought Whew. Mondays would be off limits at work. Like we'd just be yeah. talking Thrones forever. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just like uh, the finale coming in like no one fucking is talking crickets. everyone's deflated and then everyone's like so what'd you think it's like yep yeah. it's like cool <laughs> which is so crazy to go especially because all their shows do the opposite you know it like it's really yeah and really stick the landing that's yeah. what you want or just even like drum up enough support to like have people talking about something even if you don't think it was the right decision you at least are talking about it right this one was like Phew. yeah I say it's best we never we just never utter the words we definitely will I hope not at least for a little while be comparing was this better or worse than Game of Thrones to oh, just events no. in life and to other te- television shows well that's a dark one though because like I want the things to be better than Game of Thrones. I want my life to be better. Than well, I'm not Game saying I'm not making a comment of better or worse. I'm just saying we can't. Oh, no. Now we have a barometer. Was The I Wire know. a better show than Game of Thrones? In the end, <laughs> yes, it was absolutely 100. percent We never even talked about The Wire. <laughs> Man, bummer. Anyways, watch The Wire. The Wire is the takeaway. Yeah, if you want to be rewarded for watching a television show, everything matters. The absolute opposite of what Game of Thrones in the end, where nothing mattered. If you could describe the season finale of Game of Thrones in one word. How would you describe that? Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing? <laughs> no. no, epic. I don't epic. know. One of those ones. How do you feel about the way that it ends? Um, there are no better writers in television than Dan Weiss and David Benioff. They ended it brilliantly, better than I could have imagined, and uh, you people are in for it. You people are in for it. All right, Kelly, this is the part of the episode where we pick next week's song. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Kelly, one out of 421. What you got? 59. 59. What an original number. 59 is going to net you. Net. When the night comes falling from the sky. Okay. We listened to that on Empire Burlesque, remember? When the night no. comes falling from the sky. Oh, no. Nope. nope. Sure don't. Well, I think you might hear that song in the near future. Because, in fact, we're not doing a song next week. Well, we are. Sorry. <laughs> in fact, we're not picking a random song next week. Because you know what? You know what next week is? I don't. It's my freaking birthday. How exciting. And you know what birthdays mean? Music video <laughs> month. <laughs> Remember Naturally. last year we did music video month for your birthday? I don't think it was for my birthday. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Either. But it's as it turns out, our next time we're putting on an episode is going to be on my birthday. Exciting. That's July first. That's Canada Day. Sure is. Don't and forget. Instead of doing that, instead of doing a random song, we are going to watch a music video, and not just one music video, but dozens of music videos in one music video. How? It's like two songs in one song. Way back in the day, Bob Dylan put out a video where you can change the channel and watch a bunch of performers, you know, from hit shows like Property Brothers, perform his song in the context of a show, a TV show, a news report, a quilting show, whatever it is. And you can just watch in real time. And that song was like a Rolling Stone, the number one song of all time per Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, really? Although, by as much? Right? The Gaul. But definitely, I mean, you're going to talk about Bob Dylan, Mount Rushmore. This is on there. So 1987 was the year I was born. Episode 87. This is a this is a shameless, shameless, shameless episode. This feels a little contract. Like a Rolling Stone. 
We're going to do it July 1st. Be here or be square. We're doing one month straight. See you July 1st for Canada Day. Peace.